ships a cakewalk. If we're behind them, never mind, we'll fight and fight and kill the good old colony. Welcome to One-Eyed Tigers and Pies. This is the podcast where we talk about all things to do with AFLW, so long as they're related to Richmond and Collingwood. I'm Tony, and I'm a One-Eyed Richmond fan. And I'm Alexandra, and I'm a One-Eyed Pie. Welcome, Tone. It's good to be back here after us having watched some footy um, for the first time in 10 months, and how good does that feel? But before we get into that, I actually want to um, just give a language warning. So mum has asked us to let her know if we're going to swear in the podcast. And um, we actually haven't recorded the podcast yet, but mum, I'd just like to give you a warning. We're going to swear. Yeah. Okay. How good was the footy this year? I loved watching the game live and I thought it was really high quality football. How did you find it? I thought it was extraordinary. So I watched a couple of games all the way through and um, a couple of bits and pieces and every game was just, it's like they've taken it to another level. It's so exciting. I agree. I One of the things that really stood out for me was a lot more precision kicking. There was a lot more of the kick mark and then even in congestion, there was a lot more of drawing the opponent and then hand passing to someone on the forward side of the pack who was free. So just little changes but a little more precision and it's really freed up and I think there's been a lot more goals that where people have managed to get free on the uh, defensives on the forward side of the pack and almost run it in and I reckon that's a sign of just better tactics and better skillful execution. And it's quite unusual like it's not what I expected um, after 10 months of not playing footy, uh, I expected the skill level to be down a bit. And I, I don't I don't think it is. Like, yeah, sure, there was a little bit of missed touch every now and then and a few things went wrong and you thought, well, that's not going to happen next week. But um, but for the most part, I was just so impressed and, and just so excited about watching it. I watched the Frio GWS game live just this afternoon. In fact, I just got back from the, uh, from the Oval and... Yeah, Freo were absolutely brilliant. But even GWS, even though they got beaten pretty thoroughly, they had some incredible transitions. So I think overall the skill has improved. And we'll get onto this a little bit later, but I think Richmond improved. My concern is that every other club looks like they've got better and possibly improved further than Richmond managed. <laughs> I suspect you may be right. Let's get onto that in a moment. But first of all, let's uh, recap Collingwood's game on the weekend. Woohoo, Collingwood. Um, Thursday night feels like a long time ago. Uh, down at, at Princess Park, um, Collingwood versus Carlton. So there's a few things I want to say about this game. Um, firstly, how good is it to beat Carlton? <laughs> oh, that's oh. absolutely well, not that uh, Richmond's women's team would know much about it, but you know, this is general rule beating Carlton's a good news story. It is, it is. And look, I am a little bit torn about this because I actually like Matty Presparkas, obviously. Darcy V, Darcy Vessio is like one of my favourite people of all time, just not just because of her Twitter and Insta account, but she's just a cool person. Taylor Harris again, of course. Taylor Harris, yeah. So they've got three of my all-time favourite AFLW um, players. So I don't really hate Carlton the same way. I don't hate the Carlton women's team the same way that I hate the Carlton men's team. But they did beat us in the first three years in the opening round 
and uh, that rankles a little bit. So Thursday night, opening round, um, it was very exciting to beat Carlton. Um, would also like to give a mention to Brie Davy. So Brie was um, playing against her old team for the first time. Um, so she used to she used to captain Carlton. Uh, she came over to Collingwood last year, but she was injured and wasn't able to play in the Collingwood Carlton match last year. So this was her first game against her old side. They pu- pushed her forward, and she kicked an absolutely brilliant goal. And uh, that's actually her first goal in Collingwood colours. <laughs> if you're going to do it, you may as well do it against your old team. Nice, and so it wasn't just a win, too. You uh, half time, you absolutely thumped them. So keeping Carlton to no goals in an entire half of footy is a fantastic start to the season. It was actually no score in the first half wow. of footy. Yeah. That's even better. I know. I know. It was great. And our third quarter was amazing, that 10-minute um, spurt in the third quarter where we kicked four goals, which is where the game was won. Um, it was just extraordinary. And I do need to call out Chloe Malloy. Um, and, yes, she's she's my favourite, and we're going to talk about her every week. Uh, but it's worth talking about it this week because she kicked two legendary goals, absolutely legendary goals. The first one on the run, like the ball was um, kicked to an open 50 and she ran onto the ball with um, her opponent hard on her heels. She ran, she picked up the ball, she dodged, uh, she dodged again, she ran and she booted it out of the stadium. Um, (laughs) It was great. Fantastic. Uh, And you just... Like she didn't have any distance between her and her opponent. It's like she's going to be caught any second now, and she just wasn't. She's so good. So, so this is a, one, sorry, just to ask you, this is a bit of a, a change for Collingwood, right? Chloe Malloy hasn't been paying up front in previous seasons. No, she she played her um her first year down back, the year where she won the Rising Star Award. Uh, she was playing down back. Um, last year they moved her around a little bit, and she was kind of put wherever she was needed. So um, a little bit of back, a little bit of midfield, and going forward every now and then. This year it looks like the the coaches said that they're intending to play her forward more this year, and that's certainly what played out um, played out on Thursday night. Her second goal that I just need to give you a little bit of a rundown on, although it's much simpler, she just took a screaming pack mark. Well, it wasn't really screaming; she didn't really jump very high, but it was. There were four people going for the mark, and very very strong hands, um, and then turned around and booted the goal. It's exactly what you need your full forward to do. She She's a legend. Nice. So the one bit uh, I did see was my old favourite, Jamie Lambert, uh, with a sensational kick in the last quarter uh, to set up one of those goals. Yes. Uh, Jamie Lambert is, as always, very good. Harney Brown, uh, we mentioned that um, Gavin Brown's daughter and sister of Callum and Tyler so the third Brown to be playing, currently playing in black and white. I hadn't really thought about that. That's a good line, isn't it? Uh, so Tani Brown got nine disposals. I know that from the stats sheet, but I actually only saw two of them um, and they were okay, but I don't think she, you know, I, I would have liked to see her do heaps more than that, but then I have very high expectations of her. A good start to the season overall then. It was it was excellent. It was so exciting. I was there with a Bulldog supporter and a Carlton supporter and my dad's uh, um, Collingwood supporter. So it was it was nice just to have that mix of people. 
and just to be back at the footy. The one downside, will I call it a downside, the one little um the one little thing about the game is that the umpires were making themselves known. Um, it, I feel like it was over-umpired. Yeah, so you texted me about this uh, during the game. So being the math nerd that I am, I went and went and took a look at that. And you're right, there were a lot of free kicks. There was 50 free kicks in the game. Don't forget, women play about 56% of the game time of the men, so that you'd have to scale that up to something like 80 equivalent free kicks in a, in a men's game. And I think we know that's a lot. Another way to look at it is there were only 216 kicks in the Collingwood Carlton game, and so 50 of them were free, so one in every four. Just And so just to final, finish that off, I said, well, how does that compare to men's? So I went back and looked at the grand final because I love looking at the grand final. It's what I do whenever I'm feeling down. And the stats on that were about one in every 13. The simple answer is it does feel a bit over-umpired. One in four kicks was a free kick. feels like an extraordinary stat. It Absolutely does. Absolutely extraordinary. It does. Mm. All right. Well, we're not going to start our podcast year by um, by complaining about the umpires. No, that's so, what shouting from the boundary line is for. That's right. So we'll shout from the boundary line that they're over umpiring and to, you know, please, Mr. Umpire, don't do that anymore. Uh, but on the whole, let's just take it as a very, very positive start for Collingwood, undefeated in season 2021. So perhaps moving on to the positives, I'd like to get on to the Richmond game. And I am going to start positive, even though we did have a, a pretty sizable loss to Brisbane. Um, I, I saw a lot of really good signs out there this year. And I know, Alexandra, you might say I'm being a bit of an optimist, but I truly believe this Richmond side played better this game than they probably did any of last year. I, I would agree with you. I actually only I didn't get to see a lot of it, but the bits that I saw, I thought there were some really good signs. But yeah. they also looked a bit outclassed. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I still think it's going to be a, a long, tough season. But I will start with the positives. Um, I thought Gabby Seymour was absolutely fantastic in the ruck. She was probably our second string ruckman last year. And uh, I think after this game, that number one position is hers. She was absolutely fantastic. Courtner's uh, first game came over from Melbourne. Basically, incredible support for Monaghan down back and just uh, looked like a rock and just really, really solid. So I'm, I'm really positive about that. And then Ella McKenzie got the ball 12 times, so it's a good start, not, not massive, but every time she did, she just looked absolutely fantastic, composed, kicked it to the advantage of our players and sold some candy a few times out on the wing just to get away. So really, really positive start with that. And the other one that was great was uh, was KB, uh, Katie Brennan's strong contested marking in the forward line. I mean, that was absolutely fantastic, and I think it was our best game. I think the only real concern was that every time she marked it 30 metres out directly in front, she kept kicking points. And finally, uh, the second quarter overall, I thought uh, we just had them trapped in their defensive half. They couldn't get out. We uh, we were intercept marking the rebounds, and so we just had a really good-looking structure, and we looked really, really threatening. So overall, that was not something we ever really did in previous seasons is just have sections where we just looked really dangerous. Tony, if I was listening to this without knowing the score, I'd think that you'd had a really good game. Well, I said I was going to start positive. So there there were problems. Absolutely there were problems. Um, 
we I think the forward line is is pretty although excellent contested marking, it's pretty slow when the ball hits the deck. And I think Brisbane rebounded it way too easily. They were also a lot better on the outside. They were faster and cleaner and just got free of the contest better. And that even shows up when you look at the stats. They just had more possessions and more uncontested possessions, significantly more uncontested possessions. And that was the game right there. We were okay in the middle. We could get the ball. We were okay at uh, delivering it through the midfield. But when the ball went into our forward line and we didn't take a contested mark, Brisbane just ran it out far too easily. So to conclude, I'd say we've definitely improved, but so is everyone else. So I think we're a chance of winning a game, but we just have to... uh, we just have to keep it up for four quarters. And, and probably the most disappointing thing at the end was the fact that we pretty much ran out of gas in the last quarter. If we're not fit enough like that to keep playing that the game style we are for the entire time, yeah, we're, we're not going to finish off and win a game. It is only round one and it's hard to tell, you know, who's good and who's not in yeah. round one. But um, I would agree with you there's some promising signs uh, but I would be more worried than excited after that game by Richmond. Yeah. Yes. The other thing that I'll say is that you've just done like a really um, comprehensive and quite balanced review of the game, whereas all I did with Collingwood was fangirl about Chloe Malloy and, and rave about how great it was to beat Carlton. So should I go back and talk about the, the pros and cons of Collingwood's game plan? Look, I think just do the review you want to do. Ah, uh, cool. All right. So that's Collingwood and Richmond. And we are one-eyed tigers and pies, and we're only meant to talk about Richmond and Collingwood. But we did introduce Duffy Watch last year because you went to see a few Fremantle matches and got very excited about Sabrina Duffy um, and her ability to kick goals and, well, just to kick in general and never to hand pass. So, um, yeah, Duffy Watch, at your match you've just been at today, Tone. That's right. I was very excited to see Sabrina play again. Um, so watched her very closely and she didn't touch the ball at all in the first quarter. This was quite a concern, but luckily right in front of us, her first kick in the second quarter, bang, goal. It's like, yes, Duffy's back. Um, and you did send me a text to, to say, Sabrina Duffy, one kick, one goal. And I went, yeah, okay, we're all on track. <laughs> she did disappointingly give off four hand passes during the game. But Good God, what's she doing? Four <laughs> hand passes. But of the eight kicks she had, four of them, she kicked 3-1, four of them were a goal. And in classic uh, classic small forward style, she completely burnt the free uh, full forward to take a shot from 30 out on the boundary. But she drilled it, of course, so that's totally fine. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, classic small forward, probably a couple too many hand passes, but uh, still another great small forward Goal-hungry game from Duffy. It was brilliant. Uh, good on you, Sabrina. And um, just get rid of those hand passes next week, please. We'd That's just right. Like just kick know. for goal. That's all we want to say. So moving on to the rant, this week's rant. Now, I'm actually going to hand off the mantle to you for the rant tone um, because I don't have anything absolutely burning that I want to rant about except the umpires and we're not going there this time. Um, so why don't you have a little rant about Richmond? Oh, thanks. And some people might say I did that earlier a couple of minutes ago. But there's probably been two major off-field changes at Richmond over the off-season. We mentioned them briefly in the first podcast, but I think it's worth taking some time to dig a little deeper into them. So the two major changes that happened to the team were that we changed coaches 
um, after a complete review of the season. And then we also ended up dumping uh, VFLW side. Right. Now, from an outsider's perspective, both of those feel a little knee-jerk. Possibly, yeah. One season with a coach, a, a, a winless season with only six games is not totally unexpected with a completely new team. And perhaps an example of that is when Damian Hardwick took over the men's team, he lost his first nine games, I believe. So mm-hmm. Tom Hunter hadn't lost that many. It's not long to turn – six games is not long to turn things around. So I did a little bit of research on this as well, and by that I listened to the Richmond podcast, which they put out, and they talked a little bit about their reasons for some of these changes. And I thought they were quite interesting, and I'd like to put them to you, Alexandra, and get your reaction. So one of the comments was they did a full review of all aspects of the club, and they said the previous coach, Tom Hunter, needed more experience, and they couldn't afford to get him another experienced person to help him, Therefore, they needed a coach with experience was their attitude. And the other thing they said was they thought they needed to push the girls harder at training because um, they're, you know, effectively the standards weren't high enough. So hmm. what do you think when you hear that, Alexandra? I am dubious about that. I'm extremely dubious about that. None of the other teams seem to have any problems getting experienced coaches and an experience a blend of experienced coaches in their um, AFLW coaching panel under a soft cap and we're all under the same soft cap so I I'm I'm doubtful about that I'm dodgy about it look who knows what goes on behind closed doors but the fact is there's an awful lot of experienced coaches out there and available who they passed up on in order to get Tom Hunter. Maybe they made a mistake and they're just not willing to acknowledge that they made a mistake in pointing him in the first place. Yeah. Um, they had Beck Goddard. I'm pretty sure she interviewed for the role. That, that's right. So Beck Goddard applied. She definitely applied and didn't get it. And Beck Goddard obviously is the uh, Adelaide 2017 Premiership coach. So one of the few credentialed AFLW premiership coaches. Yeah. So, look, they had experience on offer and you can get that experience into your team without an issue with the soft cap, I think. So, anyway, I'm doubtful about that. And as to their second bit about identifying that they needed to push the girls harder, I feel like that's something you could talk to the coach about and say, hey, we think we need to push the girls harder. How do you reckon we go about that and let the coach start to do things a bit differently? Yeah. So with all of that, it just it doesn't seem quite right. I can understand there was a significant end-of-year review, but I'm wondering were they really hitting the key issues? And some of the key issues at Richmond for me, as we've discussed, is did they assemble the right list for the future? They recruited, as we talked about last year, they recruited a number of experienced AFLW players who really – weren't likely to take the group forward. They haven't been as keen to invest in youth after trade, you know, trading. I mean, trading the number one draft pick for Mon Conti was great, but they have traded out a lot of their draft picks for experienced players. And they've also recruited players uh, that were, I would say, in some respects, one dimensional. I, I wonder about some of the strategies. I wonder about the leadership higher up than just the coach. And perhaps another example of what's going on here is. Richmond this year has seven people in their leadership group. That 
there's only 16 people out on the ground. Like that's half your team is in the leadership group. And it's, it just seems like the Richmond women's team is lacking some leadership fundamentally. They're not lacking leadership, Tone. I think they have an excess of leadership. <laughs> I think if you've got seven leaders, you've got no leaders is another way to put it. <laughs> I think that is a good way to look at it. So um, I think the conclusion we can draw here is that Richmond's making some odd decisions Um, and, you know, who knows how it'll play out in the wash. But I personally feel, you know that I was a huge fan of Richmond leading into the season last year. Um, I joined Richmond AFLW as my second um, second team, went along to their inaugural launch of their season and went along to their games and was, you know, I was very supportive of the way they were going about it. And now I'm not. The dumping of the coach, the dumping of their VFLW side, some of your stuff that you've talked about in terms of their recruiting, and now they're seven people in a leadership group. I just feel like it's a side that's lost its way a little bit. I agree, and and we didn't talk much about the VFL uh, W team being dumped, but I just think that's a critical part of improving the club as a whole. When you have a, a feeder team that's playing exactly the same style, and people can go back and play their roles at a lower level and learn them, bring them up to the top level, then go back and learn them again. That's how you develop your younger players to step right in, and and everyone at the clubs on the same page. And losing the ability to do that by combining with Port Melbourne, I think that is not setting your club up for success and it's really disappointing that they did that. Mm. Um, I would agree. I don't think that there is um, is any coincidence that Collingwood had its first good year of AFLW last year following on from a premiership-winning VFLW side. Um, So the team played together all over winter, like not all of them, but a whole heap of them played together over winter, got to know each other really well, played well, came to the AFLW. They actually had a team to base, um, had a team and a structure to base stuff around. I don't think that's a coincidence. Yeah. So, look, I've had a, it's sort of been less of a rant and more of a rambling diatribe, I think. But uh, if I was going to wrap it up, I would say I'm concerned that Richmond isn't making the right decisions in the long-term best interest of their women's team. And, I will be watching closely to see they've talked such a good talk. They have this podcast going on about how important this is to them, but it just doesn't seem like the decisions they're taking are congruent with the talk they're talking. So I'll be watching very closely to see that they really do start to walk that talk. And let's be honest, we'll be hoping that they start to walk that talk because that's what so. we want. I, I hope so. I I want the team to be a a real successful team. Cool. All right. Well, let's – so let's have a chat about the week ahead. What have we got next? Um, Collingwood is playing Gold Coast at Victoria Park on Saturday. Uh, So Gold Coast lost this week, um, but they played well. It wasn't a a bad game. Um, Collingwood won, but they did only – to be perfectly honest, they only just got over the line over Carlton. It felt like a um, bigger win than that. I, I feel like Collingwood played much better than Carlton, but we did only just get over the line. So I'd say that this is still a game that's up for grabs. I am pretty confident that Collingwood is going to step ahead again. Their pressure was extraordinary last week. They had a really nice game structure going and there was just 
they were just, you know, half a step behind or things just weren't quite working out exactly the way they wanted all the time. I reckon the week, one week of playing will have sorted some of that out and we might see some really slick stuff happening on our home ground this Saturday. Okay, so we're off to play Melbourne out at Casey, uh, which I remember I've been out to Casey once and the rain came in horizontally. It was freezing. It was absolutely brilliant. I loved it. So I don't think it's going to be that bad, but Melbourne last week obviously played the Suns, beat them pretty solidly, but as you said, the Suns looked pretty good. What I did want to say, though, when the fixture first came out, we were supposed to play West Coast in round two, and I was really looking forward to that because West Coast are the only other rubbish team out there, and that was our chance for a win, which the AFL stolen away from us. <laughs> Damn, AFL. Damn. Exactly. So anyway, we'll play Melbourne instead of West Coast, and look, we'll struggle, but who knows, miracles can happen. But the other thing I guess interesting is because you're playing the, the you're playing Gold Coast, we're playing Melbourne, they've played each other, we might start to get a bit of a read on the relative uh, qualities of Richmond and Collingwood and just how much you'd beat us by if we played each other. Um, I should also mention that I'm heading along on uh, Friday night to see the Bulldogs play Carlton, partly because it's at the Western Oval, which is just walking distance from my house, so why would I miss it? And partly because Richmond, having disappointed me, I've now made the Bulldogs my second team, so I joined up to them this week. So I'll be ducking along there to see Carlton and the Bulldogs on Friday night. Sounds great. Well, I'm in lockdown as of eight minutes' time. We go into lockdown in Perth, and as a result, I will not be watching any footy, but I'll be live, but I'll definitely be tuning in on TV. Excellent. Well, it's uh, it's been great, Tone. All right. Well, I'll go out and enjoy my last eight minutes of freedom. You go out in the street and uh, and kick the ball up and down or something, and uh, we'll talk to you again next week. But in the meantime, go Pies. Go Tigers. <laughs>